0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations with Calvin, We the Species, and chronologically, this is the beginning of Memorial Day weekend. So this is Saturday, uh, um, and uh, we're going to be spending some time with Kristen Satterfield, and uh, we were just chatting before we went on air, and we chatted uh, last week. Kristen is so, why you're going to love, actually, let me read I'm actually going to read the title just to grab you all. Uh, uh, Kristen Satterfield, author of Lightning Rising, which is coming out in late 2022. 20, uh, she's a mechanical engineer. And she does aerospace. University of C- Colorado, BS in, in 20. Uh, dyslexia, which is fascinating. Uh, dystopian science fiction, uh, which I don't think I like, but uh, so be it. Uh, uh, and uh, she's millennial uh, because I have this affinity for millennials and Gen Z part of it is I wish I was back to being Gen Z and millennial so uh, uh, this is a a very special really special interview you know uh, there's so many different aspects to to Kristen and of course I marvel uh, I marvel uh, at, at of the internet and and how people come together and, and the forces of the universe uh, in a very undistopian way uh, the forces of the universe bring people together and and, and, and I've had such a, a fascinating time chatting with Kristen and to be continued so uh now that this little monologue by the way if I if I say to you this was a Johnny Carson monologue would you know what I was talking about no that's fine yeah maybe (laughs) no it's fine uh i get a kick out of this well because it shows my age uh johnny carson really was the tonight show way back before Jay leno and jimmy fallon he did it for 30 years and and he was incomparable and 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 i watch i watch all these johnny carson uh old shows uh because he was just the master of interviewing mm. and late night TV and stuff. So I, uh, I, I, I I, dream and aspire to be like John Carson, which I'm not. So yeah. anyway, Kristen, take it away, do a little quick bio, and then we're gonna jump in to sure. some of the elements of you.
1: Yeah, um, well, like you said, my name is Kristen Satterfield. Um, I am uh, by day a mechanical engineer and um by night i am a writer um i've written a few novels but i am getting my first one published it is called uh lightning rising and um it's a a
0: do i do i hear um i'm not sure i I heard do you have a puppy or
1: um um my dog in the other room do you mind
0: that's fine i love dogs that's fine you can go yeah, you know, we're a very informal show. You can invite them in. That's fine with me.
1: Um, let's see if she's there. Come here. Come here. Stop. Now she's just staring at me. That's fine. Um, sorry about that. No, yeah, that's um... actually
0: fine. We're we're not formal here.
1: <laughs> um yeah, I got two of them, and they but of course they always like to do things right when you don't want them to do things. Um so but, you're talking yeah. about
0: lightning you you were talking about your novel
1: oh yes um bear, come here. so yeah my novel uh is lightning rising um like he says, it's a sci-fi dystopian um it was actually a book i got inspired to write back in my high school days um i was in a class of a history class where we did a lot of what we called interactive studies so our teacher was really cool about like making the lessons applicable to life. So that particular study that inspired it was we were learning about World War II and how um, people like Hitler can become, you know, very powerful. And we were tasked to create our own uh, perfect dictatorship, basically. Wow. And that idea just kind of sparked um, along with the fact that I had just gotten back from a volleyball game that I had played against one of our biggest rivals. And I just remember it was so intense for me, especially because I was like a sophomore at the time. I was very timid. And as we were leaving the game, people were shouting us and screaming at us and telling us, you know, how like we lost and all this other stuff. And um, it just really stuck with me. So um, it kind of formed in this world in my mind that I could write of a, a place where, you know, rivalries, school rivalries were very rampant and, and very tense and almost violent. Um, you know, while being controlled and kind of overrun by the government. So, um,
0: interesting. yeah, that's
1: kind of like the bio of that, the bio of those parts. And then obviously I am a mechanical engineer. And so I have those passions as well. I actually originally wanted to be an astrophysicist. And then I was like, wow, like actually sitting here and just staring at the stars kind of sounded a little boring to me. And I decided, in fact, I'd rather go to the stars. So I want to do something that would get me there that would help you know, propel the world towards that place. So uh, that's what actually inspired me to start mechanical engineering and go into the aerospace field. Um, mm-hmm. So then, you know, after high school, I went to Baylor University, which you can actually see a flag up here, my husband, that's where I met him.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and did two and a half years there, kind of started to feel like I could find a better fit somewhere else for the type of education I wanted to have and transferred over to CU Boulder, um, where I then graduated from in 2020. Um, So, and then I started, we moved all the way. So I moved from Texas, from Colorado to Texas, Texas back to Colorado, and then got an offer at L3Harris, moved all the way to Florida. Um, So that's where we are now. i still work for L3Harris. I do various aerospace-like things that I can't really talk about, but they are very exciting um and yeah just kind of adjusting all that lifestyle too
0: okay so you you brief you touched on it uh it, this passion for writing came yeah. uh, from the, this high school history class so i, I just wanted to uh, yeah. and, and that's really you know uh, interesting uh, i'm quote a writer uh of sorts i just finished my second novel like you yeah um and actually we talked about uh off camera before Last week we talked about uh, publishing and and I may actually take you up on what you suggested, because I think it's a fabulous idea, but I'm not gonna talk about that now. Um, And you can't talk about the aerospace stuff, that's perfectly uh, understood. It's funny, I interviewed uh, a a bio, I talked about uh, a biomedical engineer uh, two weeks ago, we became really friendly. uh, And he's on his way to a PhD and he, He's doing an internship, uh, and and he couldn't tell me anything. Yep. Uh, and then the funny thing, uh, when we did our first interview, like a year ago, he was telling me some of the stuff he was studying, uh, and he was trying to explain it to me, and you know, I got two degrees, I'm, I'm not, I'm, yeah. I can understand. and I'm just, and I actually, in the middle of the interview, I said, stop, I don't want to hear anymore, because it makes no sense to me. I have no idea, he's talking about MEMS, and all these small, you know what I'm talking about? I don't know, all these small little microsystems and stuff. And uh... I, I forgot, but anyway, um, um, so um, I find it kind of fascinating. You like dystopian uh, science fiction. Um, how did you get into that world? And and, and and do you have any things you can say about what you think the world will look like tomorrow?
1: Yeah, yeah, Um, that's a great question. I guess, um, to be honest, like we've talked about, but um, I do have dyslexia, so I kind of got into the world of sci-fi dystopian because it took me a long time to learn how to properly read, um, really till about second or third grade. And so one of the things my parents did to kind of help me along is we would read stories together before bedtime at night. And um, my, I am a huge Star Wars fan. My dad was a huge Star Wars fan. So for a long time, that was, well, we would read the Star Wars book series that uh, would come out. And so I think that kind of started me on that sci-fi world. Um, and then my first actually technical novel that I wrote, I was in eighth grade, it was actually a fantasy. Um, And I really liked it, but then I felt like, man, I just feel like I'm reinventing the wheel, like doing something everyone's already done. Um, So as I started to get inspired by for this book, that kind of fell into like, wow, well, I like sci-fi and Hunger Games was big. So I started to really get into dystopian books. And yeah, that's kind of where that love for that came is like, what would the world be like? Because it's never going to be perfect, but also like going to have all these advanced technologies. Um, So It's actually very funny You talk about the world and what it could be like. So when I started writing this back 2011, 2012, um, I had all these plot points that you'll be able to read about in the book, some of them about like genetic engineering, certain technologies, things like that, that as I'm rewriting, as I'm getting published today, they've actually uh, come to be part of our world, um, even just in that short time. So it's a little crazy. Wow. Um, Yeah, like, like, one of the things as you look at, like, I know, a few years back, you know, China was doing lots of experimental data about combining, you know, human and non human DNA, things like that, right. Um, CRISPR, you know, all these technologies that was like, wow, I could see the world heading that way. And now not even 10 years later, we're, we're, we're already on that path. So, um, yeah, I always find it fascinating. I mean, as far as what I view the future as, um, I don't know if I'm i actually I'm pretty much a um, optimist not a pessimist so I actually do have a more positive less dystopian view on our future um, but I can also see where certain decisions we can make nowadays could lead to that type of world right like what do we choose ethically for the future space travel you know uh, AI genetic modification all these texts that we're actually today starting to play with you know where can they go? And it's on us now to make those ethical decisions that will affect the future. So um, that's kind of how I view it, you know?
0: Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, we have some commonality here. Uh, I was fascinated by the future. And and there's a, uh, his name is Ray Kurzweil. He has about, I think he has about 80 or 90 PhDs. And a lot of them of course are uh, honorary, uh, but he he is a futurist. He's uh, he takes 160 pills a day. Uh, um, yeah, uh, and and he's got a million patents. He's he's brilliant. He he invented, uh, he invented a keyboard, uh, the musicians use called the Kurzweil keyboard. He's off the charts, and he's involved in something called Singularity, and and part of the premise uh, of Singularity is in the year 2040 or something like that, man and machine becomes yes. one. And what happens, and it's not dystopian. It's as you just said, It's we're heading down that road. So my, my, we could talk uh, off camera too about this because it's really, you'll get a kick out of it. So he he has a university called Singularity University. They explore uh, a, a lot of, they explore a lot of the ethics uh, mm-hmm. uh, of what we're doing and is it ethical and is Jeff Bezos going to be the only one who will be able to live to be, you know, 200 years old or, mm-hmm. or Elon Musk. I mean, there's a lot of ethics to the things that they're doing, but he had this thing called singularity and in and, and every couple of years he would bring in some of the 100 of the top scientists in the world uh, to talk about different topics about this. And I had just begun my journalism career, and I, and and the first one I knew about and heard about, it was a three-day conference up at Harvard, and for all kinds of reasons, I would have loved to have gone, taken a class at Harvard. You know, like wow, yeah. Uh, But uh, it was a thousand bucks; it was out of my budget. Yeah. And I I didn't do it. And then uh, a couple years later, he had the same singularity conference in New York, and then I realized I'm a journalist. and and I applied for a press pass, so I went for nothing. Here's my point why I said this. There was a guy from Russia, a scientist from Russia who is experimenting and his thing was, he wants to take this, this Mm. is our entity, this is what makes us who we are. And he wanted, just like you transfer files on a computer, he wanted to transfer all of this up here yeah. To um, uh, like a Terminator type. Ah. Uh. So he wants to come up with a way to take everything, all the files in your head, and put it into uh, a, a a cyborg, whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. And and uh and then that gives me, you know, immortality.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: so he was kind of uh he was kind of working on that. And the other thing I uh, just to tell you. I, I read Dr. Michio Kaku, he's a, a physicist, and he wrote a book, The Physics of the Future. Yeah. Great stuff. Uh, just wonderful, wonderful uh stuff. And 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 I started reading it and looking at all the things that in a positive way, like you, positive. Anyway, I wanted to tell you that because it's interesting stuff. So um I, I I I I really would love to hear because I've interviewed uh others with dyslexia yeah and uh and it, it's quite a journey you've been on so can you talk a little bit about that journey of dyslexia and yeah. how you how you've achieved everything you've achieved
1: yeah yeah for sure um i love that because the i think the focus can often be on disabilities or setbacks like of like the struggle but it's both it's the struggle to the achievement right um but yeah, for me, so I actually don't just have dyslexia. I have seven reading and writing disabilities total. Um, I don't remember all their names. That's the one I always like, you know, uh, that's the one I always knew from the youngest age. Um, but yeah, I mean, my journey was, I'm sure very typical to most in some ways. Like, right, it was very early on. We could tell like I something was going on with my reading. Like I had a lot of teacher reports that would say like, Kristen can't figure out the words, but she like could comprehend. So like I could see like, I don't know i'm trying to think a word like tree for some reason I wouldn't know tree by be like oh green Bush or whatever like I could find the comparable words but not read the words on the page Um, so somewhere along the line, I could see something but couldn't communicate it. Um, And you know my dyslexia the form I have is very much a letter flipping. So uh, D's and B's and P's and Q's, um, for example, were really hard. And then like certain letters and numbers like A and four, um, you know, you can replace them and I just won't see them. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I always had that. I really struggled with that. You know, I never want a spelling bee at all in my entire life. I remember third grade, I actually almost did. And I was spelling the last word was world. And I did W-O-R-D-L and flipped the two yeah. and was so upset when I lost, wow. um, you know, and like I, you know, I was the kid that I, every spelling test, like fifth grade, I had a teacher who every word you missed, you had to rewrite 20 times to learn it. And I was in class in recess every time, Re- every time we had a spelling test, rewriting the whole thing, because yeah, I maybe got to write. Uh, so, you know, that has always been part of my life you know it's just kind of like who I was you know it wasn't I never kind of consider it like my parents were very good at making it wasn't an identity and like a disability it was just part of me and how do we learn to you know have be part like live like that so um and along with that I can't really hear phonics so people are like spell it out and I'm like I did that's why it looks like that like it's just nonsense um but yeah, so because my parents really took that tackle, that journey that way, and, you know, it was more like, this is part of your life. How do we live with this? You know, um, I always grew just kind of being like, okay, not worried to ask for help on things like that, trying to figure out the tips and the tricks to work around it. Um, and, you know, eventually it's become a thing now where I can catch most of my mistakes. And if I don't, I'm very used to like getting a second eye and I'm not afraid of being like, hey, like, can you just like triple check? I spoke English here, you know, um, on stuff. So um, obviously, you know, one of the biggest signs of that achievement though, is I am a writer which I find very ironic because about the same time I failed that spelling test I remember, or uh, spelling bee, I remember I was taking a test and flopping and saying, they're going, Wow, writing sucks. How can anyone ever want to be a writer? I will never do this. It's the worst. Um, (laughs) And now I'm here. Yes, it is. Oh yeah. Um, So, but you know, actually I really grew to enjoy it. Um, I had some really amazing teachers too that cared more about the context of what I was writing and less about the correctness. Um, And that really grew my, um, my confidence, right? Like I was like, wow, I can really tell stories I just need to like have an editor, right? I just need another eye to say, like, hey, you know, all of this is grammatically wrong, but good job, you know. Um, so yeah, like that's kind of the journey with it and how it is. Um, like, obviously, I still have it, um, though. Through the years, I have I've noticed I flip less words, right? I flip less things, um,
0: so but yeah. Really, no, I mean, you, you kind of have It's not that you've outgrown it, but you you. you learned how to deal with it and and, and function yeah and and, and um uh it, it's funny uh um you know you talked about spelling bee and and, and all this and, and the writing but what i pick, just picked up from you is you've had a great support system which yes. helped you tremendously right
1: Yes. Luckily, I had a really good one for my family. I would say in my early years, I really did struggle with the support in the school. In fact, I had a lot of teachers who thought I was special ed um, because I couldn't do these things. And it was like, no, I have a pretty high IQ. I just can't spell or write to save my life. Um, so, you know, I I think it was a good counter. I was very blessed with my family and the support system outside of school that then when I actually switched schools, I got double. You know, I eventually got that support system both from inside and outside. Um, so yeah, I did. I had a really um, good backup, and I think that is always important and really something we need to improve in our world. You know, for people around is, you know, don't treat it like disability, don't treat it like special ed. You know, just help that person learn and grow with it. You know,
0: so and I marvel, uh, and I don't, I marvel at you. Uh, and what you've accomplished and uh, again i don't know that much about dyslexia it's not in my uh, conscious world uh um but uh to overcome that i mean mechanical engineering aerospace writing writing novels i mean that's that's a huge wow truly It, it really is a huge wow um can you talk a little bit more about, um, and and this also kind of ties into uh, dyslexia, because I'm interested to hear this from you about the whole novel writing process, because uh, I've done it twice now, and um, it's a lonely thing, isn't it?
1: It it can be, it really can. You know, recently, I have to say, as I've started the publishing journey, I've started to find other people um, for the first time, but Yeah, no, it can be, I think for me, so the writing process for me and what I always like to encourage, like when I go talk to high schools and stuff, I uh, always tell the kids I'm like writing, especially creative writing is not like in school, which is, I think why that third year old me that hated writing grew to love writing because it wasn't like in this paragraph and this paragraph, and here's your beginning, here's your end, plot out all your arguments and points now before you do it, you know? Um, I used to approach it that way. And I learned, at least for me, as I wrote, my characters actually kind of wrote themselves. Like I have characters in the book that when I first wrote them, I was like, well, they're going to be this person. And that's just going to be the worst thing in the world. And then they grew to be like my favorite character and like a great person. you know. Um, So I really write in a way of like, I call it iceberg writing. I write my stories where you can see the top and as you get more in depth, you know, deeper, it continues to grow. Interesting. Um, but at the same time, I also let the story take me where it goes. So sometimes I'll say, oh, I think it's going to go this way and I'll be writing and it will just take a, you know, 180 turn. Um, so, you know, for me, that's how I write novels. And it can, like you say, it can be very lonely. You know, sometimes it's like you're sitting there, you're doing on your own and that's life. But I found that one of my favorite things I did as a kid, and I still do to this day, is I would take riding walks with my parents and my friends. Um, so basically, we would just like go somewhere. I lived in Colorado. So, you know, we go up to the mountains, we hike or something. And I would just be like, here's a thought process I have. And we just start talking and wow. I run with it and say, well, this wow. is you know, 20 years down the road. This is where I want this to go. And this is where wow. I want that to go. And, you know, they give me like, oh, you know, that- you know, that, that needs to change or like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Um, you know, and I would just do that once in a while when I felt a little stuck, like writer's block, that's when I would go get out of it. Does um, that
0: helped you when uh, others kind of give you ideas and things?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it helped to have the sounding board. Um, and also just the movement. I think actually that was a key part of it is I've learned, like when I just sit and talk about like my ideas, it's like almost stagnant it was almost like the movement of the journey um, helped the process for me um so you know that's that's kind of like how I write is I'll get an idea and I always tell people like inspiration can come from anywhere you don't have to do like oh I was inspired by this like literally like I've sat at boba shops and been like boom there's an idea for a scene or like um one of my scenes is actually in the book is inspired by a coffee shop I had at Baylor University um you know like it doesn't have to just be like this life-changing moment. It can be the little things. Um, And then my my trick is the moment I have the idea, I jot them down on my phone because that's usually what's with me. And I say, oh, oh," like bullet points or whatever, and I'll write it out and then I'll go write it in. And 90 percent of the time it'll change halfway through, but like the whole core of it is there. Um, And then, yeah, like I think my other biggest thing for my process is I try not to treat it like my baby. Um, and what I mean like that is like, I think you see a lot of writers, it's, it's a very emotional process, right? You spend time and you poured your soul into it and you want everyone to love it. Um, and I've learned that the more I treat and treated it like my baby, like, please don't touch this, you know, like be very gentle. Um, the less my writing grew, um, you know, I, I wrote stories, but I look back and they're very sweet I will rewrite them someday um but they were not good and um it actually took a time I was sitting down with my sister and my dad one time and I was reading them again this book and my sister just stopped me and went listen I love you this is crap and I had to be like oh and of course you're hurt you're like you know this, this is my idea like uh, and then I just stepped back and I said wow you know she's right it could grow and I actually scrapped and this is why I actually encourage lots of writers to do don't be afraid to scrap I scrapped the whole thing kept the core idea and rewrote it from the beginning um and at least from the feedback I got it was 10 times the story it used to be right um so that's really something like I now have taken with me through the years is I'm not afraid to like let like I I like was saying that it's it's like my teenager now, not my baby. I'm like, go off into the world and get some bangs and bruises, come back to me and That's tell brilliant. me how it was like.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs>
1: Thank
0: you. No, no, I mean, from somebody who's a writer um, and I uh, unfortunately, uh, and, and I'm, I'm learning from you, truly. <laughs> unfortunately, my novels have always been my baby Yes, and, and and actually a bunch of years ago, I, I read something that Norman Mailer wrote, who's one of the most prolific writers, geniuses. Uh, he wrote, and, and I always remembered it. He said, writing a novel for a guy is like giving birth. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, you know, I always admired Norman Mailer. So I, I read that and, and I, I kind of took it to heart. But even to this day, Uh, it's my baby. And if somebody comes along and criticizes my baby, uh, I I don't take criticism really well because it's my baby. But you you have such a mature, interesting view of that. It's your teenager. By the way, that's just brilliant. Thank you. No, no, it's brilliant. And I may quote you uh, on that. It's not my baby, it's my teenager. Brilliant, brilliant, I think. Thank you. And and it could help a a lot of people to welcome growth and, and criticism so um, just to kind of go off topic yeah and i forewarned you i might do this totally. so here's a, a quick question for you I and mean, it's a fun question and actually you don't have to answer it you're under no obligation so here's the scenario excluding family or friends yes somebody living a dead you'd like to spend a day with
1: oh that's a good question it is
0: it is <sighs> Um, and you can even come up with a couple there's no rules here
1: you know one of them I think C.S. Lewis I've always loved his stories admired his writing Um, I would just love to sit in a room with him and uh you know gosh I'm gonna probably for J.K. Rowling you know Lord of the Rings right that's not that's not J.K. Rowling it's a wow I'm having a brain fart
0: no but that's all right no uh, you know well J.K. Rowling you know she's
1: brilliant too Yeah. yeah yeah. Um, but you know, the guy I'm totally forgetting the guy that wrote the Lord of the Rings, though. Um oh uh, Tolkien. Tolkien, yes. I would love to sit in a room with both of them and just even just not even like talk, just watch them do the way they yeah. interacted as they wrote. Like um, that would be fascinating, I think. Cool. Um and oh gosh, I don't know. That's
0: it's a great question.
1: It um, really is. It is,
0: it's very provocative yeah uh i like asking it because i get all these interesting answers and yours was interesting I, thank you know? so you. Yeah. Uh, that's good we moving so moving along um i know i read somewhere uh, in your bio you, you've got some pet peeves i'd love to hear them
1: oh gosh okay if you, um, you, know, if
0: you don't mind sharing
1: no no not at all not at all oh uh, yeah i did say i could share my pet peeves um Oh gosh, it depends on the subject. Um, if we're sticking on writing, let's see. Um, you know, one of, I think my biggest pet peeves with writing, um, there's kind of two, is the idea that, you know, you, it's it's the, it's the, there's like a limiting belief, I think lots of times, I'm sure you've seen it, we've talked about it, um, of publishing, um, you know, and I, and i am guilty of it too is um this idea that there was for a long time right there was traditional publishing and that was the only way you could do it and if you self-publish well uh, and you know that was life and now there's just you know so many more options as the world's growing and i think that i often see like even as i've gone through self-publishing and hybrid publishing and all these other you know aspects And I'll come out and be like, oh, you know, I'm doing this form of this publishing. And I get a lot of pushback being like, well, you know, I had a friend and they went through traditional. So why don't you do that? Blah, blah, blah. And it's this like almost like a sass. And it's a pet peeve of mine because it's like, yes, there is value. Don't get me wrong to traditional publishing. Um, But that is not the only publishing you have to go through and not the only way you succeed. You know, I remember Actually, the book that always sticks with me is Aragorn, the Aragorn series, that dragon series from the old days. Um, I remember when a kid, I was reading as I started my writing journey about a lot of criticism for it and about how one of the things they point out was, well, he self-published, his parents self-published. So of course it was bad. And, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, well, that's just like the nature of self-publishing, I guess. And I felt like so bad. And I think that's how lots of people view it. Um, but I think the reality is no it doesn't have to be. I think that goes back to the whole, like I said, you getting outside feedback, right? Like it's not impossible to do that with self-publishing, getting a good developmental editor, you know, getting a community, you know, that even doesn't have to be friends, just people to read it and give you feedback is really the same as traditional. You know, that's what they do. They, you send your book and you say, please love it. And then they say yes or no. And if they do, they, you know, there's a push back and forth of how to, you know polish it um so I think to my current one right now really is that pet peeve of like people just still think that's the only way and I just kind of like want to like shake them and be like no there's other ways and you can be credible doing these other ways it's all about just writing a good story um so that's kind of one of my big ones with uh writing I think right now
0: me too um
1: yeah yeah I know we've talked about that and you can relate yeah and I Cause yeah, I just have so many people like, well, you could, you know, you should just traditional. And I'm like, and any writer can speak to this traditional publishing is a pain. Like you got to write a query letter. You got to go find an agent. If you don't find an agent, you got to hope, you know, someone, or you got to put your foot in the door. And then sometimes you'll never hear back. Or if you right. do, it's like, oh, we aren't looking at this time. Cause that's the other thing you could be writing the world's best book. But if that agency or no agency is looking for that specific book or that specific genre at this moment, you will never get published. Correct. And it's like there's so many other ways now to do these things and be good at it. Um, so and like I said, not bashing on traditional publishing. You know, I went that route for a long time. I value traditional publishing. Um, I just think that like that the mindset that that's the only way to go, especially by the general public that are non-writers, that's a pet peeve
0: of mine. Um, yeah. I agree. <laughs> One of my huge pet peeves, uh, just the institution of agents. And I don't want to go there now because yeah. I don't have nice things to say, but I'll leave it at that. Um, uh, yeah. and, uh, some fun stuff. We, we did a lot of heavy stuff. Um, yeah. So you're a Colorado girl and now you're living in Florida. So what do you like better actually?
1: Oh, that's, that's a mean question. <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) No, you're good. You're good. I like both. Um, for different reasons. Um, I love Colorado. I mean, most people, right. You, if you've ever been, you, you can't hate it. It's, it's beauty everywhere you look, you know, the weather is almost perfect. Um, now I know I have some Texans and some Floridians that will argue with me that the winter is horrible, but you know, growing up there, I'm used to cold. I hate heat. Like in my mind, It's easier to get warm in the cold, you just add layers than it is to get cool in the hot when you can only take off so much before, you know, you're just there and you got to just deal with it. Um, So I prefer cold, but, um, you know, I really, I really love everything about it. I think the hard part being a native and growing up in that um, era, especially right before we legalized pot, um, which, you know, I was part of that whole time period um you know it was really calm we had some growth we had things going on but really like I could get from you know a little past Denver where I grew up in a place called Littleton all the way up to the mountains or to Boulder places like that in like an hour hour and a half depending where you went you know it was not too hard to get places you did it quickly life worked you know twas that um and then I went off to college after we legalized like later the year after we legalized and came back and it was like, it boomed. And anyone who knows Colorado history will know that our governor, um, he, that he was, you know, for the right reasons, he didn't want to build a infrastructure because he wanted to maintain the view of Colorado. For the wrong reasons, that didn't work because, you know, you need an infrastructure as things keep growing. And uh, so the infrastructure we have is good, but not meant for the crowds we have now. Wow. So I still love it. But I actually am sadly, it's almost like a bear suite. Not happy you know, I'm happy to like not live there because it takes like twice as long to get anywhere as it used to. And you know, you got all these people from all different, you know, communities and states and stuff. And so the culture is different and stuff like that. So, culture wise, I'm liking Florida a bit better, but I do miss like the natural weather and beauty of Colorado. Uh, you know, and Florida's not bad, you know, we live, um, in a very kind of, I would call it like, it's weird, it's a small, it's a small town feel, with Are you a, southern or
0: central or northern,
1: so, uh, southeast, so I'm a, right below Coco,
0: okay, um, okay, yeah,
1: okay. yeah, so, in, like, a place called, uh, Melbourne, um, that's where L3 is, but, um, yeah, so it's, like, it's kind of, like, like anyone who's lived here for 10 years will tell you and they tell me all the time like it's boomed here. Like half the like where I'm living right now didn't exist 5 wow. 10 years ago. Wow.
0: Um
1: but it still has that small town feel and that small town vibe I think because of that. Um but it has a larger population. So I kind of like it. It's taught me to slow down, um which I actually really needed in my life. Um and you know, it's there. I think I miss the ease of getting to certain things that I had in Colorado. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm not too far from the beach. I'm not too far from Orlando. If I nice. really want to drive, I can get to Miami and the Keys. Nice. So it's not like I, look, I can't complain. Okay. <laughs> you
0: know? okay. Um, yeah. um, it's funny. Uh, there was a blizzard last week in Colorado. Yeah. And I think a yeah. couple of days before it was in the 90s. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then you got a blizzard.
1: Oh, easy. We've yeah. had. I've been there where it's like 90 in the morning, snows, melts. It's an 80. Right. You know, it's Colorado weather's like that. Literally, yeah.
0: Wow. So I think it's a good place to uh, kind of wrap because uh, okay. we covered a lot of stuff. Um, this is so fascinating, and, and you know our our writing kinship and the experiences and the journeys. Uh, uh, and I, uh, I've i come away learning a lot, especially the teenage thing. Um, uh, so, uh, I'm officially inviting you back. Uh, Thank you. when, um, uh, I guess it, it's going to be at some point at the end of this year, yeah, uh, when Lightning Rising is published, you can come back and we'll do a whole thing about Lightning yeah. Rising and, and maybe talk. Get, get a little bit more in depth uh, with the process and what excited you the whole yeah. you know, the whole writing process so uh, I'm officially Kristen inviting you back thank you And the novel's published and uh, this has been great uh, and you know I really learned a lot and um, we'll probably talk a little bit more when we go off the air but please do come back and I thank you so much for giving a little piece of Memorial Day weekend
1: of course. Thank you for having me. This yes. was really fun.
0: It was fun. Truly, this was a lot of fun. We'll talk more when we go off the air. Yeah. Um, but anyway, officially, thank you so much. And thank please you. come back and and, it was, um, and have a great weekend. You too. Okay, bye-bye, Kristen. Bye.